You're listening to The Restaurant Grind, the podcast of small business restaurateurs, sharing their stories and struggles, showcasing the grit every owner needs to be truly successful in the restaurant world. I'm JD, your host, with Matt Patrick, our co-host. Today we have the honor of speaking with DJ Naylor, who was born and raised in Ireland and now has two of the most authentic restaurants in the Mid-South with Celtic Crossing and Bog and Barley. So DJ, welcome to the podcast. Thank you for having me. DJ, we usually like to start off with the restaurant tour story. What made you bring that Irish hospitality of the Cead Mila Fulcha, I believe? I probably said that C- wrong. Cead Mila Fulcha, yeah. Very good. Nice try, JD. Um, nice try. Nice yeah. try. Uh, I arrived in the U.S. in 94. I always tell everybody the night O.J. was in the Bronco. That's probably one of my first nights. Interesting. <laughs> welcome anyway, to America, baby. Yeah, yeah. It was a grand welcome. And I made my way to Boston. Uh, Boston was always going to be my first port of call. A lot of the guys I graduated from UCD were in Boston. Uh, at the time, there was a mass exodus from Ireland. It's right before the Celtic Tiger that started in 95. So we're all leaving in 94 because why? There's no jobs. Uh, we're able to get green cards in the States. So a lot of us have qualified, gotten it, got lucky in a lottery. And we're all we're all living in Boston. And I ended up working in Thompson Financial, but a buddy of mine that I graduated in UCD with wanted me to come work for KPMG Consulting. They'd spun off their accounting division into this consulting division, um, spun off a, a, a side company that ended up becoming Bearing Point later. And I said, why not? It's uh, Travel America, learn new tools. So I got thick and heavy in that. I did that for 10 years. But towards the end of my 10 years, um, I was celebrating selling a property in Memphis one night downtown at actually Dan McGinnis's pub, mm-hmm. uh, enjoying um, maybe a pint, a pint or two <laughs> plus more. And um, a couple of the bartenders there were like, hey, what's what's going on? I said, yeah, I sold, I sold a property in Midtown. Some I was cutting the grass last Saturday, three weeks, and a guy walked up to me and said, hey, I want to buy your building. I'm like, everything has a price. You know, even the wife and kids. Yeah. Like, yeah. Have the time. Uh, anyway, so uh, he ended up, uh, Mickey Eisen was his name. Yep. I- Eisen and DeCosimo. Yeah. Uh, bought a building off me. What's that? Counting firm guy. Counting firm guy, yeah, yeah. Yeah. So he ended up buying the property off me. I'm celebrating selling a piece of real estate. It's easy to buy real estate. It's harder to sell. <laughs> yeah, that's right. You know what I mean? When you get it, if anyone gets into it, it's fun buying. It's, it's You celebrate more when you sell. And the guys anyway were like, hey, man, we're trying to start an Irish pub in Midtown. And uh, we need we need someone to sort of back us. And that that was it. You know what I mean? It was. Wow. It Had was, you ever been in the restaurant business before that? Worked uh, in a restaurant? Very, very, very experienced at one side of the bar. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so I like when I was at K- KPMG in Boston yeah. or in Philadelphia or Washington or wherever I was. <sighs> And we were throwing a party. Hey, DJ, will you talk to the Irish pub guys at Reraw or Fado's or Tiernan Og or yeah. wherever it might be? And I'd always, hey, we want to do it this way. Yeah. And by the way, here's my KPMG diners card. Put it all on there. <laughs> so, yeah. yeah we're so. going to build this to some client. We don't know who yet, but it's going to be Yeah, yeah gonna we're going to find it. a way. Yeah. Right. Yeah. So, that yeah. was kind of it. I've like, been I, in a lot of the same pubs as you in Boston. <laughs> I, I would imagine. Yeah. Like, I did a lot of pubbing in Boston yeah. and around the world. And, it was always kind of my dream. Never, I was always wanted to be a sole entrepreneur. 
uh, come after my grandfather, my dad. Some of my brothers had gone off and done their own things. So I, I always knew when I came to the States, becoming a partner at KPMG was probably less of a priority than going to work for myself. And so when I started buying real estate and building some equity in that real estate, that became the sort of pathway for me. The restaurant business is nearly a mistake. <laughs> Just an evolution of being in the right place, and if you hang out that, that happens to us a, a lot, lot, right? Yeah, a lot of people that hang out in bars end up wanting to be on bars. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> so the first project was we didn't really know what we were doing, but I ended up buying um, what at the time was the Glass Onion. Mm-hmm. It had three partners, and getting all three to agree with you know the purchase methodology, and we were basically taking it over as a going concern. Yeah. So we were consuming everything into a new entity, and we took actually we took over the LLC. I think a lot of attorneys I tell you not to do that, but that's and accountants would advise you against that. But that at the time was what we did, and we brought. I was at a wedding in Ireland, and I bumped into an Irish pub guy, manufacturing guy, at three in the morning, and I said, "I really need you to come to Boston. I need someone to work on this." And he had done a lot of work for the Irish pub company throughout the world, so he ended up coming out, bringing a small crew with him. And we just made it work. Wow. So we redid basically glass onion into Celtic in the space of about 40 days in 2005 on a very small budget in the back parking lot. Um, not a lot of permits. <laughs> I mean, I remember us doing a huge amount of digging on a Cinco, Cinco de Mayo, for example. Like, because the uh, Café Ole was yeah. the only Mexican... At the time, I think, and maybe in Midtown. Oh, yeah. So they would get covered up in Cinco de Mayo. And I remember we finished work about 5 o'clock, and we swept up and cleaned up. And then about 6.15, the place is packed. And I'm like, what's going on? They're like, it's May 5th. And I'm like, yeah, well, we just got started. We're not going to be open for another month. It has an Irish pub. Yeah. But we got the overflow traffic. And we said, yeah, we'll take it. We'll keep running. We'll keep the staff, keep them busy. And eventually on June 5th, 2005 we opened as an Irish pub we had the grand opening on August 4th um, we were gangbusters we just didn't make any money yeah. yeah, it was crazy Like we were like you couldn't get enough people in the door on a Friday and Saturday night you couldn't get anyone else in the door it became Club Celtic Yeah. Um, uh, we launched a brunch in September I remember the chef at the time asking me hey how will it be I said 10-15 people no try 150 mm-hmm. and pans coming out of the kitchen aimed at me yeah. because I got it wrong little did I know but um, so year one was very much learn waste probably money gone out the back door um, you know whatever, whatever it might have been year two uh, cleaned it up a bit more added some controls as best we could Um Made a loop, started making money maybe 2007, 2008. And then really from eight to about 11, got rid of the, some of the partners were in it for the wrong reasons. I felt everybody wanted more out, more out. I was very much at the time wanted to invest in. And that is, let's redo the patio. Let's redo the bathrooms. Let's redo the bar. 11, we put in a new bar. 14, we put in that cover in the front, that built cover and redid the place, became no smoking. And we're fixing to do something very soon again that where we want to invest again into the business. It's kind of got a raw deal the last year. We've all been focused on bog and barley, and now it's time to show some love back to our midtown location that's kind of suffered a little bit and see if we can get it uh, kind of a shot in the arm. Yeah. This episode is sponsored by the Memphis Restaurant Association. 
the Mid-South's key advocate for restaurant owners, managers, and employees alike, promoting the best dining experiences Memphis has to offer. So it sounds like, like you're walking into the fire from the very beginning. It's a 24-7, I'm, I'm all in. Did you did you kind of realize that right from the jump that it was going to be an all in like that or like hey I'm kind of trying to figure this out as I go? Uh, I think my nature is once I'm in something I'm a hundred percent like committed involved. Um, Don't do it either way. Yeah, but once I started getting an understanding of the numbers and seeing that we weren't making what we should have been making for the business we were doing, and uh, we were doing a lot of liquor, a lot of beer, should have been having good margins. Um, we really weren't doing that much food. Uh, maybe we're at maybe 1.3, 1.4 million, and maybe about 65, 70% liquor and beer. Yeah. Looking back, was it controls? Was it pricing? Was it everything? If I was starting all over again, uh, I would say more controls, uh, SOPs, 365, accounting, um, cash flow analysis, all those things yeah. we know now. Yeah. <laughs> right? In the beginning, uh, it was just like, let's get sales. Yeah, right? let's I'm just saying. get rolling. I mean, uh, put a, a team common... together. It was romantic, and it, and it still is, but you've got to have all the pieces. Got to make money doing it. Uh, yeah, <laughs> yeah. Part I of mean, the point. Yeah. So I spent the first year still employed in Bearing Point and trying to run Celtic along with a small, little, growing property business. So I go on the road three to four days a week. Became a little complicated when I was in Canada or I got picked to go to a project in Hawaii. Yeah. So too far away. So eventually I said enough. I shut it down and came home and uh, devoted my time to try and get Celtic to be uh, what it should have been, which is good, severely profitable. Did you move to Memphis at the time of the acquisition? No, I'd already been here. I got to Memphis about 2000, um, maybe full-time 2001. I would live in Boston, and, and I loved Boston. It was great. It was the, the, the new world from Ireland. I'm from a little town in the west of Ireland, <laughs> town of about 10,000 people. And so to come to Boston and really experience the city, I'm living in the North End, it was amazing. But it didn't have the same welcome for an Irishman mm -hmm. that I got when I came to Memphis. You know, my buddy and I go play a two and two in basketball and we'd nearly need to lose so we could walk out alive. <laughs> yeah. But when we did beat them, we were literally ran off the courts by the, yeah. the Italian the boys. So I'm like, well, you challenged us. <laughs> yeah. Sorry you lost, you know. But anyway, it was, um, I, I found the hospitality here. And my mother, I always remember my mother, like she'll come back from the mall and go, oh, the lady in the store was so amazingly nice and hospitable and so there was this warm southern feel mm -hmm. that was a little irish in in, yeah. in its so mixing the both yes so we've we've i felt home here and mm -hmm. you found uh, an irish community here pretty much right away you know the soccer coach from uh, this yeah. school or that school and the soccer clubs and that type yeah. of stuff yeah i mean so i always tell people in bog or celtic they always ask me what brought you to me i said soccer <laughs> You know, coming to visit here while I was awaiting a consulting project with Bearing Point, I would just train with the men's or women's soccer team at either Memphis, CBU, oh, wow. even Rose, Lambeth. Rose, like, knew, Lambeth, yeah. Yeah, all yep. the coaches were, were very much Irish. And then, you know, Friday, Saturday night, we'd meet up. There'd be an Irish community meeting at Dan McGuinness's. And, yep. You know, we'd share our feelings for the week and <laughs> over a few pints. Yep. So I, I told you this before. My, my sister-in-law played at Lambeth. For Paulie? Yep. And then yeah. my wife also did camps all through high school and college where she worked them at Rhodes. So all those, that 
soccer community in Memphis is actually pretty strong. It's more surprisingly strong than you realize. And uh, a lot of Irish influence in it, for sure. Oh, there is. Yeah. I mean, it's um, obviously uh, Memphis. We won't get into it too much. But Memphis 901 oh, yeah. is the latest uh, episode. But it's a, it's got a great backbone. It's got a loyal following. Uh, it's got an undercurrent to it. Um, it's it's amazing. You know, like I go all the way back to the 2006 World Cup. And, you know, the same people that were coming in 06 would have come in for the World Cup uh the World Cup, the last World Cup was in 2000, last year. Yeah. Yeah, 22. So next year we have the Euros, 24, and then we're back to the World Cup in the U.S., Mexico, and Canada in 26. Yeah. You get a good following. You know, everybody's there on Saturday morning or uh, every Early. morning. But. Yeah, <laughs> that was, you know, one of the, one, another thing that just evolved. Like, I never really thought Bog could be opened at 6 in the morning, <laughs> being how big it is and how it's staffed and how it's run. Always thought we'd eventually – Celtic would become the host for sports that pub, it, yeah. sports more pub. of a sports local bar, and it is. We opened at ten thirty for Manchester United versus Arsenal, and it was, you know, wall to wall. What color was more prominent? Manchester United. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. yeah, yeah. So I know with this uh, second location of Bog and Barley, it opened to like gangbusters as well. I feel like it's beautiful, beyond, bringing everything over beyond gangbusters. Yeah. It's been great. Yeah. So we opened on April seventh. It's uh, been about six months now. The critical thing with Bog opening was the investment in time and energy ahead of that to work on team building, to work on our values, our mission, uh, to work on systems, building systems. Um, you guys important. have been key to that and helping us sort of create a backbone to be able to run uh, a business like that. And it's it's paying dividends now. And uh, having built a, a, a great culture and a, and honestly, Rennie built a great team. Mm-hmm. I don't take any credit for that. We interviewed obviously some of them, but Rennie went out and found Brad and Joel, Meredith, Shane, Nick, Andrew, and really built in a, a great team. A team that's sort of chomping at the bit for the next thing, if you will. (laughs) So having a great team, having the right culture, having the right systems, you know, there's all the things we didn't do at Celtic, right? We're doing 18 years later, you know. There's an evolution there, right? That's the, if we could do it again, we would do it this way. You went from, and also just having a second, any second unit, right? It's the, okay, we have an opportunity to fix some of the stuff that we didn't do as well the first time we've learned some lessons yeah but also the investment in okay is this possible to open up multi-units based off this this is a scalable model that can be repeated i, I feel like that's a that's a big hump for a lot of people i, I think the last two. five months answered that question for us right now another piece worth mentioning is the amount of time we spent in the how do you want it to look? Yeah. Question. The conceptualizing, the energy and time that went into that. I mean, that the building itself, Bog and Barley, took four or five months. The actual conceptualizing and where do you want the bar and how do you want this to look and is it going to have two floors and how's the, what's going to be on the walls and who's going to do the work. And honestly, we, we hit a jackpot with Karen and his team. Just unbelievable. I mean, just truly like... I don't want to do another project without them. Yeah. The feeling like that. Because they came and changed the whole ethos of how people work in Memphis. I mean, we had all the plumbers and the electricians and 
I mean, I don't mind saying this, but they used to show up at 10 before the Irish guys arrived. And when the Irish guys arrived, they would, you know, get to know each other. Hey, guys, can we sweep up when we're done at the end of the day? We'd like to start the next day with a clean place. And so they created a whole culture around the project of all the teams involved, from the lighting company to the sound company to Memphis Audio to hotel and restaurant, where in the end, like, we're all buddies showing up early. Everyone's so committed to, it yeah. was a great feeling, and I think they generated that. So, Kieran, tell us that story real quick. So, know. yeah, so the guy who built uh, Celtic for me, and remember I said it was the back of a stamp plan budget, mm-hmm. no architects. We'll do this over a, a couple of pints in the evening. We'll draw the front, and we'll look at the patio, and we'll, we'll design the bar. But it was different here. We had a we had a, we had a O'Donnell O'Neill out of Dunleary, Dublin, became the, our chosen designers. Never set foot in the building. And when I was looking for the builder, I was quite nervously trying to get the guy who built Celtic to bring his team. And he just opened something else in Pennsylvania. He was like, I'm sorry, man, I'm out. But I will tell you this. There's a guy I'm working with in New York on a project, and I really like him. I think you should reach out to him. So, what, three phone calls later, he's with his buddies on a golf weekend in Mexico. And he goes, you know what, man, I'm going to rebook my flight. I'll be in Memphis Saturday. And so yeah, he lands yeah. in Memphis the following Saturday night, Saturday afternoon. I pick him up. I said, stay at the house. Stay with us. And we go out. We have the plans from during dinner in Midtown, and we're, we're talking about it and looking at it. And he goes, no problem. This looks easy. Got yeah. like, what? <laughs> and I said, what kind of a team do you have? He goes, we'll build everything in Ireland, and we'll ship it. And I was like, what? <laughs> like that didn't really register with me. And he goes, no, 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 we're going to send in true scan. They'll, they'll scan the whole place. They'll, everything will be precise. Trust me. And I did. I said, I yeah. took that to its core. Trust me. I sat down with four contractors to tell them all the mill work, all the walls, all the bars, the storefront, the interior storefront, the fire, everything's getting done in Ireland. It's coming. We later. just need you guys to participate bring it all together, do the, all the mechanical and be like, you know, keel, pull the team together. And one of them was sitting there at an interview on the patio of Celtic and he started laughing and I'm like, yeah, because I'd already kind of indicated we're kind of heading this way. Boy likes this one. We like the answer on this one. We're le- I'm going to be honest with you. We're leaning in a different direction than you guys. And I try to be transparent. And he goes, he started laughing and he goes, do you, you know, now that we're kind of sharing, being honest with each other, would you care to share what? You're effing crazy. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Yeah. He says, you hope to do what? You're going to bring a bar, two bars, and all this from Ireland? And they, the, his, he was with three other of his team, and they literally all started laughing. And they were like, we're going to come see it, but we wish you well. Yeah. As he come and It'll ate be some humble pie made. since the. They've been by. Yeah. yeah, they've been by. So we're very fortunate. We put together a great team. Everybody sort of stepped up, and you know the place looks looks amazing. I've been to Ireland in an Irish pub, and I, as I told DJ this, and I say it's like an Irish pub, except for it looks amazing and it's brand new, and it has exactly the feel you'd want to have. You're walking into a bar in Ireland. It's it's so dead on. Yeah, and you know it was crazy because you know when we were starting this. O'Donnell O'Neill, uh, O'Don in Dunleary, he interviewed me and Jamie and was like, well, give us a bar you like. And I was like, and now I go back to the bar in Dublin that I mentioned and I'm like, oh my God, it is. Wow. So really similar. Yeah. Called Cafe on Seine on Dawson Street in Dublin. 
And uh, it's just, you know, it all came together. We're very grateful for all the different uh, groups that participated. It really sort of wanted to shine. Mm -hmm. And now it's the question of when the time is right, can we replicate it? Yeah, because every time, the first time I walked in there, I was just amazed. It literally looks like something that's not in Memphis, that we don't have anything like it. And that's what I tell other people. It's like, you got to just go see it. Yeah. Of course, the food and service and everything is incredible, but just being there is yeah. changes your whole atmosphere. I hear a lot New York or London, mm -hmm. yeah. but certainly New York a lot. One of the great ones is there's a fella called Rory Donald. He's known in the Irish pub circle. Uh, he owns two or three Irish pubs in New York. One of them is in Queens, New York. It's a very famous Rory Donald's pub. And a lot of the G Gaelic footballers, they'll go and drink there if they're in New York for events. So it's a very prominent Irish pub. Well, he's in Nashville one weekend. He hears about Bog and Barley. He comes this way. Oh, wow. They rent a car and drive. Now, I'm literally pulling out a bog when one of the managers called, hey, there's a guy upstairs. He really wants to meet you. His name is Rory Donald. Like, hmm. And I said, Rory Donald? I said, I'm circling back. It was raining that night, pouring rain. And I pulled back in the lot, run back inside. Where is he? Bring me upstairs. And I said, introduce me. And inside, I said, Rory? He goes, yeah, Rory Donald, New York City. I'm like, Jesus. How'd you get here? <laughs> and he goes, I heard about this from such and such, connected to Kieran and, and uh, Damien from Derry's Furniture, had told him, you need to go see this place. Yeah. If, you're in, if you're that close in Nashville. Yeah. So they dropped what they were doing in Nashville for the weekend, came over for them, wanted awesome. to see the place. And I gave him the tour. I give people, walk them the kitchen, the whole tour. And, and he says, I've never seen anything like it yeah. in the world. Yeah. And I've been in a lot of places. Yeah, this it's is pretty incredible. amazing. Mm -hmm. yeah. So that was, that was one of the ones I was like, well, and so, he offered yeah. to stroke you a check for how much? No, I'm <laughs> yeah, it was just you know it was nice and gratifying, and there's always a good feeling. We're still you know we're still working through getting everything paid off. Yeah, you know, one day. Working work progress, <laughs> you know. Well, I mean, honestly, sales have been amazing. Uh, your team is fantastic. You know, I'm sure you've been open five months. There's still stuff you would you want to continue to work on. What's some of the stuff you're working on right now? Yeah, so we're we're walking into the fall, into the the, the winter, uh, the the winter, the Christmas, the holidays. We're really trying to accommodate as many as we can parties. We're working on cleaning up all our systems, try to uh, get really harmonized on reports and understanding the the NOI. That's really important. Mm -hmm. uh, we're trying to build an investor pool. Working on that right now. Uh, we're trying to make all the staff feel like. They should, which is you're part of a bigger team. Uh, we just launched our 401k. Uh, my projected involvement in that was five to six. It's 50, 52. Percent. That's 52 awesome. personnel. Wow. So over almost half of our total staff of both locations have gone into our 401k. That we're excited about. Um, you know, just in general, team building and continue with team building and um, – not let down our guard on service on mm -hmm. that kid Mila Falcha at the front door. Yeah, it's super important. Also, the idea that like when people go on to Resi and they say, "Oh my God, I can't get a table for three weeks," we set it up so you can walk in. Yeah. So we do take a lot of walk-in traffic. So making sure we we get that information you know out into the public and you know just in general, um, credit credit that customer base that likes to repeat there and come back again and again and again and have parties have a great party and can't wait to have the next one amen you know i i think that what i've seen for you guys since we've been working we've worked almost 10 years i think um is the 
constant desire to continuously improve consistent processes, better team management, better insight into your numbers, your the evolution of your business since we've been working with you is that it's been like we, we always want to continue to improve. I, I, I'm a whole, whole that's what I believe in 100% and in, in, in that, you know, you can't make, can't change everything over tomorrow, but you can do a little bit better tomorrow than you did today and you just continue to work on it. It's been great to see. Yeah, I think just Bargain Barley just represented that up true clean break opportunity to do, and I'd have to say Rennie, Nam, and uh, Nam Lee, Rennie, Nam, and Brad were very focused on let's get all the systems. So you want to know what's your liquor cost, what's mm-hmm. your beer cost. You don't need to know two months. Of, you you With 365 and some of the tools we have, it's sitting there right in front of you if it's yeah. set up correctly. Correct. Which is really, really awesome. Yeah. And, you know, you can pivot. In the world we're living in right now, like, you know, supply chains, you know, sub and products, inflation, inflation and liquor, international inflation and liquor. It's it's very considerable. And so you have to sort of weave all that. It's it's difficult. But having the right tools enables you to be able to pivot. That's great. DJ, really appreciate you coming in. I love I always love your story. It's so authentic, but also it is the, the your passion always comes out for both what you're involved in, but you know the restaurants themselves. But just it's just it's just a joy to be around. So I just want to say thank you so much for coming in for the pod today. And uh, man, I can't wait to see what you guys do next. Yeah, I'm very excited. Um, slow and steady, but in a hurry at the same time. If you can understand that, I'm sure Matt. Matt yeah, does. I, I'm the same way. Yeah, and um, we are. This is a joy working with you guys and and the team here and uh, just, uh, you know, building solid solutions. Hopefully f- what we're doing can be replicated with other uh, restaurants and groups and, uh, you know, it's, it's a win-win. Yep, can't wait. We hope you enjoyed this episode of The Restaurant Grind. If you did, please hit that subscribe button and leave us a rating on your podcast player. Doing so helps our stories inspire more people in their restaurant grind journeys. We'll see you next week.